How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, Sanscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, aren't you so glad that winter is back, Bob? I mean, yeah. A lot of shoveling, but that's the way she goes, right? Yeah, it is the way she goes, man. Like, how much snow did you guys get today in Calgary? I want to say about a foot, and it all came down mostly mostly this morning and i did a driver's exam in that i passed congratulations man congratulations i'm glad to hear that <laughs> yeah so full license excellent congrats well man. okay congrats. once alberta gets rid of the n then it'll be a full full license still congrats yeah. man congrats yeah even here like it was supposed to be snowing today because it was cold enough and honestly we got nothing. It was right. one of those things where it's like, you know, when you were living here on the island, you know, it's one of those things where like it's cold enough that you think it's going to snow and it just kind of sleets more than anything. Like we didn't even really get that today. Oh, wow. Yeah. But regardless of how bad the weather may have been today, Tim, we've got ourselves a great episode tonight. We've got three games to talk about. Top of the air. But before we do anything. We need to talk about today's cover athlete because today's episode is season six, episode four, the chronological order, episode 128, the Claude Giroux edition of the third line plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Claude Giroux. He was drafted 22nd overall by the Philadelphia Flyers in 2006. He went on to play 15 seasons with Philadelphia and Florida before joining the Ottawa Senators in July of 2022. And he is currently in his first season with the Senators where he currently holds six goals, four assists for 10 points in 11 games. Now, before we get into talking about our thoughts on what Claude Giroux's tenure has been like with the Ottawa Senators so far, let's talk about Claude Giroux, the player. Because, you know, it's funny, for a guy who is as talented as he is, I often kind of forget just how overlooked he really was at Philadelphia. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Crosby was in the same state as he was at the time but you know you look at the guy and you're just like man like his career's nothing to sneeze at like he put up a couple 90 point seasons he had a 100 point season a few years ago and yet i don't think of him generally weirdly i don't think of him much of a superstar and then he also i believe he played on some of those gold medal canada teams in the uh, mid-teens as well there like yeah the guy has he just loses talent but Philadelphia went between a team to be reckoned with at the start of his career to just kind of a meme. It's true. And you can never go full Philly. Yeah, no kidding. Because, yeah, like his 21-year-old season, uh, they came pretty close to beating the Blackhawks for a Stanley Cup. Then there was some pretty good runs uh, through the rest of that period. Uh, and then they felt like they were like, always kind of middling after Carter and uh, Richards got traded. But yeah, it was never a, the fault of Claude Giroux. It was just the lack of talent around him. Yeah, and it's uh, very unfortunate with Claude Giroux because definitely when you think of the Philadelphia Flyers of the past 10, 15 years, Claude Giroux is definitely the, one of the first names that gets mentioned. I often wonder how much success the Flyers would have had if they had kept both Carter and Richards, right? Because those two, plus you had Claude Giroux on that team, 
they were very talented offensively. And I don't think a lot of people realize until we look back on them now, just actually how talented that Flyers team of the early 2010s really was. Yeah. And as we learned, Coke's a hell of a drug. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. Now, we're talking about Claude Giroux in Philadelphia. The one thing that everybody likes to bring up, the draft day. 2006 in Vancouver, Bobby Clark forgets his name. <laughs> they were they were playing that moment in the Sportsnet broadcast of Ottawa versus Philadelphia. So yeah, literally everyone. Oh my god. It, it's that's a moment that will go down in history, man. Like it really will. Well, it already has, right? Exactly. Now, we're talking about Claude Giroux's tenure in Philadelphia. I mean, you talk about the fact that he's played a 1,000 games. He was the captain. He played internationally, did very well there. Are we going to see maybe the number 26 hanging in the rafters of the Flyers' home rink? Or do you think – do the Flyers even have, like, a ring of honor? I'm not even sure about that. I don't know, but I would, I would not be surprised if Flyers retires number is their longest tenure camp, captain, which is kind of surprising given how long – and storied of a franchise history there is to the Philadelphia Flyers. But then again, I think that you kind of have to remember that there were some big egos just throughout Philadelphia from the broad steep bullies to Eric Lindros. So having a guy stick around and be the captain for 10 years, that's kind of impressive. I was actually very surprised when I heard that Claude Giroux is one of I think only one of two guys that played a thousand against the Flyers. Cause I assumed there was a guy, Eric Desjardins, who's a longtime defenseman for Philadelphia. I'm surprised he never hit a thousand games with the Flyers because he played a majority of his career with them. Yeah, no, I'm surprised. But let's talk about uh, Giroux in Ottawa because the dude came exactly as advertised. He has been nothing short of fantastic. Oh my God, he's been fantastic. He really has. The guy's not lost a step. But even before that, I want to talk about how the Ottawa Senators fan base willed Claude Giroux into being a senator. He, the Sens fan base did this. Remember, because last Christmas. He kind of wanted to. (laughs) Last Christmas, everybody knew Claude Giroux was going to be a free agent. And everybody was thinking, man, how cool would that be? Claude Giroux hits free agency and he becomes an Ottawa Senator and the fans were manifesting this for for month after month after month and then the day came well I think that's very much a throw up in the air is he gonna come to Ottawa I think that's underrating what Claude Giroux kind of always wanted because there was always that idea he kind of always floated it he's always been around Ottawa in the offseason that the guy wanted to play near where he grew up like that was always part of the plan for Claude Giroux. So it really shouldn't have been a surprise that Claude Giroux signed here. Well, how much do you think it is? Because you see a lot of the players that we've had over the years who don't stay. Like you look at the Duchesnes, the Stones, Carlson's guys like this, but then you have a guy like Claude Giroux that comes along and the fans are very much like, how great would this be if we had him? But history has shown the big names are not going to come here. Well, it's the hard thing with a lot of those big names is just, I think at least in the case of Stone and Carlson, they would have stayed if we would have paid. I think in the case of Carlson, that would have been 
as much as I like Eric Carlson, that probably would have been a mistake, although he's having himself a season in San Jose this year, despite San Jose just kind of falling apart. Duchesne, not sure he would have stuck around. I, th- I think Mark Stone would have stuck around too. Yeah, Mark Stone definitely would be the captain of this team right now if he had stayed around. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, Claude Giroux's tenure as a senator, I mean, he's – you hit nailed it on the head. Like, it's been uh, – everything that's been advertised to this guy because he comes in, you're expecting him to be good, and he's done his job. He's not he's lost a step. He's been more than good. He's been fantastic. He's not lost a step. He doesn't look out of place. One thing I really noticed, it was in the Golden, I want to say the Golden Knights game, where yeah. Tim Stutzla, I can't remember who he hit, and one of the defensemen came up and gave him a hard time, and Claude Drew comes up and cross-checks him. Yeah. But we're also talking about a guy who has 10 points in 10 games. Uh, 11. No, sorry, sorry 11. 10 points in 11 games, sorry. Yeah. But, like, he's going at a point-per-game point per pace, right? And that is more than we asked for. If we just get a free agent who he's a 90, 80-point guy, yeah, you couldn't have asked for better. Like, do you remember the last time that we hit on a free agent of this caliber? Zoop. That's true. Yeah, Artem Zoop. You can even make an, an argument for last week's cover athlete, Alex Kovalev. Kovalev, yeah. What? It's Kovalev. Well, what about, well, actually, what about Gonchar? I would actually say, yeah, Gonchar worked for the intention of Sergei Gonchar. What they intended him to be, he worked out. It's like, a, it's funny because I think it's like when the Sens are able to swing big for a free agent, I think it typically, it works more often than it doesn't. It's just that the Sens never get the opportunity to do it very often. Or never go for that opportunity very often, you know? Yeah, it's mostly through trades is what we we do it. We did it with the Heat. Or drafting, yeah. True, but that's always been Ottawa's bread and butter, though. They had to... They're like the mm-hmm. Montreal Expos. They had to draft and develop these guys. Yeah. But yeah, like the trade... We've generally done pretty good on the trades. It's a shame that we couldn't keep Anthony DeClaire. Yeah, he's the one guy that I wish we had kept around, but... But who saw that coming? That is true. But keep in mind, even at that price hit, would he have stuck around? That's true. Yeah, but, you know, we could sit here and talk about the what-ifs, Tim, but I'm willing to delay the inevitable because we got to announce next week's cover athlete for Season 6, Episode 5, in chronological order... Episode 129. Now, of course, there was only two real names on the board. There was Igor Kravchuk and Martin Gerber. And I'm proud to announce next week's cover athlete is Martin Gerber. I was half expecting Kravchuk. Oh, my God. If Kravchuk had won it, I would have used the Dean Brown clip when Kravchuk knocked out New Jersey. Drove the nail through the devil's hearts. Right. God, I swear, man, if we ever get Dean Brown on the show, I want to ask him about that call. It's such a good call. Yeah, no kidding. So, Tim, I think we should move away from talking about our cover athletes to to ask the question that our listeners like knowing every single week. How has your week been going, my man? 
as I said, it's been pretty good. I am now able to drive on my own. That's pretty neat. Other than that, yeah, it's just been a lot of snow. Actually, it was really funny because I actually failed my first test. And it was for quite possibly the dumbest reason. So I did my parallel park perfectly. Mm-hmm. Back, Start backing out to get out, get out of the spot. Bring my hand down to grab the clutch to like put it into drive. Put my hand on it. Don't grip it. Slide my hand off it. Turn my wheels back onto the curb. And they failed you for that? Yeah. Damn. That's an instant disqualification. Otherwise, I only got 40. Like, I got 40 of allowed 75 demerit points. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, for the this one, I got, I got more demerit points, but no disqualifications. So, I passed. Excellent. Yeah, I remember when I got my my N years and years ago, I remember that one of the big things that we were always told was shoulder checks. Shoulder checks, and when you're turning the steer wheel, one hand comes over, and then the other hand kind of like this, like you're grabbing a rope. Yeah, yeah. And I can't recall, I think it was the shoulder checks. Shoulder checks, I think, was like the big one. And I didn't do that well enough. And they failed me. No, they my shoulder. I didn't get dinged for shoulder checks, but it was like they were skeptical if I was actually seeing anything with my shoulder checks and said I was probably doing too many. Really? Because generally, yeah, yeah I was going to say generally in those things, a, many shoulder checks is not a bad thing. Yeah, they were skeptical. It's like, are you are you even seeing anything? <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, okay, yeah, no, fair. I'll take it. You didn't, you didn't actually neg me any points for this, so I'll accept it. I got, I do got to ask though, man. Like, how's your writing stuff coming along, too? Uh, you know, it's going. Yeah, no, because not funny. much to say. It's, it is what it is. Well, I know even today, when you guys were when we were talking in our thread at work, my phone went off every two seconds. It was like ding, 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 and I'm like, oh, for Christ's sakes. And I'm looking at it like, I don't have time to read all through this, guys. We're just discussing, like, just making sure it's like, what is the color of suits we want? Like, just making sure the suit source, right? Yeah. So we're definitely going with teal and hot pink, correct? Oh, for sure. Oh, it's going to be such a good look, man. I got a gaudy gold chain to go with it. Oh, oh no. Chef's <laughs> kiss, brother. Chef's kiss. So there's really not a lot I can really recap on my end for the week. Did some good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I uploaded the Great White Ex- Actually, that's not, actually that's not true. The new Great White Experience episode I uploaded where I look back on the first Rage Against the Machine album. Mm-hmm. How how do you feel about that one? It was all right. I mean, I can't complain. My my dad's not super into Rage Against the Machine, so when he when he asked when I he asked me when I asked him to come on, he did his best. He he wasn't super up on rage, but I thought it was all right I, for what it is. I do have a few episode ideas in mind for what I want to do with a great one experience going forward in the next couple of months, maybe into twenty twenty three. But I'll have to save that for another day, Tim. Right. So let's talk about last week's episode because honestly. It was a good episode. 
that that's yeah, all we that's can all really... you got to say okay <laughs> that's all we could really say man i mean it was a good one though it was a really really good one i the only thing i wasn't too happy about was the the not so seamless transition into top of the hour but that's been a thing this month though this year for me okay if that makes any sense i, I don't understand why Will more described audio for the visually impaired help? Yes. Yes, yes, it would, Tim. <laughs> Okie dokie. I, I just remember that Chelsea hated us for that. <laughs> oh, that's so good, Tim. That's so good. But you know what's also really good, Tim? Is this segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. You see, nice. you see, Better. Now, that, now that's how you do a transition right there, man. I know, like, we're kind of speeding right through this, but you know what, though? We've got a really good top of the air to talk about, and we're gonna give a couple of congratulations. Starting off with Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin passed Gordy Howard for most points with in most goals with a single franchise with 787. Ovechkin, drafted first overall by Washington in 2004, has spent his entire career with the Washington Capitals. Now, that at the time of the story, close. At the time of the story, he is only 15 goals behind Howe for second overall. I forgot that Howe played for a different team. Played for Hartford. Yeah, right. He came out of retirement to play with his son. Yep, in the the WHA. Yep. That would be a really interesting. I'm I'm sure there's probably a documentary somewhere about the WHA, but that just seems so fascinating to me. It's kind of like for people who like golf, you have the PGA and then you have live where you have like the Saudi backed, you know, all that shit where they can just throw hundreds of millions of dollars around. That was kind of like the WHA in the seventies minus the Saudis. Oh, was it was that the big money league? Yes, because that's how the WHA the WHA came in and the NHL did not take them seriously at first because they're like, oh yeah, come on. Right. They're just some startup league. And then they're offering Bobby Hall a million dollars to jump ship. They brought Gordy Howe out of retirement. A lot of the NHLers, they threw a lot of money at them. Like Paul Henderson came over, Gary Cheevers came over. Bernie Perrant came over. Like, you're talking big-name players. Jump ship to right. make that money. But then a bunch of the teams just kind of fell apart, right? Some of them even after, like, a couple of games. Yeah. Like, just watching the uh, number of teams fall apart. Sorry, number of teams just dwindle and dwindle each year. And then it was kind of interesting that they had a team for Slo- Czechoslovakia and the Soviet Union. Like, you have teams for all these cities and then the Soviet Union. Well, they were kind of the first... They definitely were the first league that tried to bring Europeans over. Like, they were the first one to bring Swedes over and the Czechs and the Slovaks and all these crazy stuff. But for me, the lasting impact of the WHA is not only the four teams that came into the NHL, which was Edmonton, Winnipeg, Hartford and Quebec right Quebec thank you and 
some of the players that came over with them, most notably Wayne Gretzky was the great one. The great one came over. Mark Messier came over. Mike Gardner came over. Like you're talking guys who were like, Oh my God, superstars for like 15, 20 years in the NHL. Yeah. And they were all like 17, 18 years old. It's also just very funny looking at like teams move multiple times in a season sort of stuff. Like, man, how did this league exist? Like, how is it real? I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, some 30 years later, the KHL comes along where they have all that Russian oil money and they're just like, you know what? We will decide to throw money at players to come over. And then it just doesn't really work. Well, no, it's worked pretty well. Yeah. But it's mostly it's NHL castoffs and not superstars at this point. True. That is true. I mean, they haven't done it yet. But then again, you don't see like a Crosby or an Ovechkin hitting. But then again, people thought Alex Ovechkin was going to jump ship to the KHL once his contract with the Capitals finished. Yeah. We, we, we think some funny stuff. Exactly. Now, we also got to give another congratulations, Tim, to Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby as he passed Adam Oates for 19th on the all-time points list. Crosby, drafted first overall by Pittsburgh in 2005, was currently five points behind Brian Trotje for 18th all-time and 17th at the time of this recording. So I don't currently have the notes of how close he is to Trotje right now, Tim. If you want to quickly look that up for me, if you don't mind. Yeah, so we're looking at... Career points. And Crosby is two points back. And then there'll be another 25 or so to catch Timu Solani. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Crosby and Ovechkin finishes their NHL careers in the all-time points list. Well, they're both in top 20 now, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about guys who whose numbers were long thought of to be uncatchable. Mm-hmm. Now you got Gordy Howe's numbers. You got Yager's numbers. You got these, these big superstars. Crosby and Ovechkin are reaching those guys now. Yeah. Well, even Joe, like Joe Thornton is 12th with uh, 1,539. And he leads active players. Although I'm not sure if Joe Thornton is, is he actually signed to a team right now? Or is... I don't think so. I think he's still a free agent. Free agent. He? Okay. Yeah, I think he's an FA. Yeah, so he'll probably, that's as far as he goes. But yeah, Joe Thornton leads active players. Then it's Crosby and Ovechkin, who are two points off each other. Yeah. Now, we also got to give another congratulations, Tim, to Hockey Night Canada co-host Kevin Bieksa, who signed a one-day contract to officially retire as a Vancouver Canuck. Bieksa drafted 151st overall by the Vancouver Canucks in 2001, played 13 seasons for Vancouver and Anaheim, recording 63 goals, 215 assists for 278 points in 808 games. So Kevin Bieksa is one of these guys who you want to talk about a guy who is so perfect to get into the media because and it's funny. Remember back in 2020 with the COVID bubble year and everybody on Twitter was talking about Kevin Bieksa who just joined Hockey Night Canada. And he's like, 
man, this Kevin Bieksa, he's funny. He's actually really good at this. And everybody on the West Coast and all the Canucks fans are like, yeah, we we could have told you that. Yeah, but then he, he says some stuff. He does. I'm honest. Th- this is for people who don't who don't get Kevin Bieksa, this is the best way I could describe him. Kevin Bieksa is what Paul Bizonet thinks he is. <laughs> if that makes any sense, because Bizonet really honestly kind of thinks that he's kind of like Bieksa, where he's a bit of a smart ass. He's a bit of a kind of that kind of a broadcaster on TV. Kevin Bieksa has that likability about him. And it's, I've, I've met people who've met Kevin in the past and they say like, he's such a good dude off the ice and he's actually really funny. Like, I don't know. I know you probably didn't listen to the juice and Kessler podcast. I haven't, I never got a chance to listen to either, but I've heard episodes, people talking about those episodes and they're just like, yeah, it's just juice. Just ripping on Ryan Kessler. All right. Kessler. Yeah. I did listen to Ryan Kessler's episode on spit and chicklets and I get it. Like I get why people like Ryan Kessler because he's kind of like BX. He's, I don't want to say he's kind of like BX. He, he's a bit like BX in that way. of like, he's just the way he is. He's kind of got that surly guy kind of feel to him though. So it's not much I can really say about this one, Tim. Now moving on to our next story. Now, you know, on top of the air, Tim, we usually save the Ottawa Senator stories for last. Well, on this episode, Tim, I can officially announce the Ottawa Senators. They're officially for sale. Senators Sports and Entertainment have announced that a process has been initiated for the sale of the Ottawa Senators. The franchise, which was bought by the now late UG Melnick in 2003, is currently valued at $665 million. So basically, for somebody to buy this franchise, you're looking at $750, $800. I know that Bruce Garriock was reporting $800 mil to a billion dollars. Uh, like, I want to get your take. Yeah, on. that sounds about right. Uh, remember that this does come with the implied, although we don't fully know what the exact rights are, to a pretty massive land deal on top of whatever monies are owed to an NHL team from the NHL rights to use these sort of use the NHL's marketing, the senators marketing and all whatever assets that the senators have. And, and I think that does come with the arena current arena land as well. So yeah, that's kind of running a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, this has been a long time coming and I think a lot of people were initially kind of surprised because I think there was people who were still thinking that, Anna and Olivia would hold on to the sends, but you know what? I think honestly, it was kind of wishful thinking to think that a couple of 20 year olds were going to run an NHL franchise. So I think it's in the best interest, put them on the market, get somebody in here with a lot of money that could put money into this team. Even if it's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I could. Well, Ryan Who the Reynolds saw that one money, coming, yeah. huh? well, he's from Ottawa probably has a shitload of money from Deadpool and all that other shit he does. So uh, Ryan Reynolds is from Vancouver. Why do I think he was from Ottawa? The media was talking about it was a local guy, but yeah, if he's interested, why not? Yeah. Cause he, oh, he already owns that English soccer team 
what was it? Uh, Relex. Is that the team name that I'm thinking of? I'm going to look this up. That doesn't I even sound like a real team. It honestly sounds like... Uh, I'm trying to remember that show that's on uh, Apple TV. I think it's Apple TV. Uh, Ted Lasso. Kind of reminds you of that. It kind of reminds you of just some American that goes over to run a sports fr- or a soccer franchise. So I'm going to look this up. So Ryan Reynolds soccer team. Rexham. Rexham AFC. It's in Wales. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's also owned by one of the guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right on. Oh. I never really got that super into It's Always Sunny. It's funny. I've seen a couple episodes. Yeah, people say it's a good show. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, Tim, we've got to turn our attention to a really sad story. Now, you know, on top of the air, I hate talking about deaths. And definitely next week, we've got a death to talk about. But this one really caught my attention. The wife of former NHLer Merrick Svatos confirmed in a story by Rick Westhead that her late husband had CTE due to his playing career. Svatos, who played seven seasons in the NHL with the Colorado Avalanche, Nashville Predators, and Ottawa Senators, passed away on December 5th, 2016. Like, it is what it is, and hopefully, uh, as we start to understand more about uh, what causes CTE and concussions, that less players have to go through that. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't see... Like, you'll never, unfortunately, take head injuries out of hockey. And it's not just because, you know, you're, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody in the head. Like, this is the way I look at it. You can get a concussion anyway. You don't need to get hit in the head. You could basically run, like, say you run into something. Your head doesn't even make contact, but your brain inside your skull bounces off the inside of your head. Yeah. So hockey's, you know, I would be very interested to see how many ex-NHLers, and for a long time, it was always linked to enforcers, whether it be Wade Belak or Bob Probert or whoever you want to throw in that name. But now you're seeing goal scorers who are being linked to this. And it makes a lot of sense because, again, the goal scores are going to get hit. There, there's no getting around that. But I think it's going to be interesting when you see the amount of NHLers in post-retirement when they pass away, how many of them actually do have CTE. I think you're going to find a lot of these players have some form of CTE one way or the other. No, that's fair. So, Tim, let's turn our attention to Boston Bruins have signed defenseman Mitchell Miller to a three-year entry-level contract. Miller, originally drafted 111th overall by the Arizona Coyotes in 2020, had his res- had his rights rescinded by the Coyotes after details of bullying by Miller surfaced. And since I wrote this story up, his contract has officially been terminated by the NHL. Yeah, I don't really know what boston thought they were doing like i don't get this as much as the idea of giving someone a second chance is a nice idea someone who shows absolutely zero fucking remorse yeah no get out of here yeah and i know that every and of course everybody on twitter was going off about this about oh look at the league they're a bunch of hypocrites and it's like going back to what i was saying last week tim yeah i can't I apologize. I can't recall the story. Did I, or did I make a comment on the show last week where I said, 
the NHL and sports teams will take a chance on you if you're talented. Yep. You look at the NHL. Logan Mayhew was a thing. Mitchell, what's his name here? Mitch. Yeah, Mitchell Miller. There's a reason Boston signed him because obviously they think he's a talent that's worth bringing to the NHL. They figure that enough time had passed and still surfaced. You look at from Patrick Kane to Evander Kane to whoever you want to say in the NHL. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. Everybody's got things that they're not proud of. Claude Giroux no different. Remember in 2012 when he oh, yeah. did that thing with the cop in Ottawa on Canada Day? Yeah. But I think if there was a comment, my, na- and my neighbor is a Cleveland Browns fan. So him and I were talking about Deshaun Watson. And he made a comment that really stuck with me. He says, you know what? He says, if we have a league, you know, is, you know what? If we're going to have a league that has players that no skeletons, there would be three players left. Right. But I think the way you handle your skeletons matters. Especially for someone who part of their court or remember, this was bad enough that it went to court and Logan Mayu was prosecuted. Sorry, not Logan Mayu. Uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Miller was prosecuted for this. And he like, still never that, apologized. And he still did the absolute bare minimum and continues to do so. And apparently even his dad, like his dad is just was popping off on Twitter too. So it's like, like, yeah, we're all sinners. You kind of have to try to make good on it, you know? And that's kind of where I see the difference between maybe like even Evander Kane, like yet he hasn't fully made good on or what, but he hasn't gone to the same, like he hasn't been prosecuted for bullying a mental, like a child with developmental disabilities in a racialized manner and then never really did anything about it. Chloe Drew at least apologized for the cop thing. I'm not sure if Patrick Kane stopped beating up cabbies, but. Well, we haven't heard anything about that. Yeah. But, I, but you know what? I think even. But I think be, I think you have that. And then, of course, the whole thing with Kyle Beach and the Blackhawks do. It's just like, uh, yeah. But it's like, yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't really know why Boston would take it, ch- take that chance. Because like even the pl- like the players in Boston weren't happy about it. Like even when they were get like they were asking the players and you like, had Nick Flino being like, no, that's like we don't want someone like that on the team. Patrice Bergeron's like, that's not the culture we're building. So, like, I have no idea what Boston thought they were doing. I don't know. And you can't say that they're playing, you know, they're playing dumb. Their owner, Jeremy Jacobs, is one of the board of governors of the NHL. Yeah. So he would have been involved in rescinding. Well, putting some pressure on Arizona to rescind the draft rights. So let's turn attention to a good news story, Tim. The Detroit Red Wings hosted a 25th anniversary for the 1996-97 team that won Detroit their first Stanley Cup in 42 years. Many Wings legends were in attendance for the event, including defenseman Vladimir Konstantinov. So that was very cool. And I am it is so cool to see that the 96-97 Red Wings can get back together one more time. 
given that you got to realize Detroit is one of those, like nowadays you look at Detroit and you're like, Oh yeah. Like that's a city that has titles because of the red wings and everything. You got to realize in the late nineties, the Detroit didn't have titles. The only titles they could really hang their hat on was the bad boy Pistons. That's all you had. You had two. Wait, was there was that the Pistons that were playing playoff games out of a high school? No, they were playing it out of. I think they're playing it out of this out of the Silver Dome. Because I think that was before the okay. uh, because there was one. God, yeah, because I know there was that one year where they had to play out of the out of uh, a local high school for a playoff game. That seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I I'll dig up. I found a copy of the old poster. Let me just bring it up because it's very funny. Because like the arena they were playing out of normally was rented out for I want to say Disney on Ice or something stupid like that. So yeah, they ended up playing in uh, a local high school. Was it Pine Creek? I don't think it was Pine Creek, but yeah, where the hell did I put it? Because this, this is just very very funny. Oh, here it is. Detroit Pistons versus Minneapolis Lakers. March 12th. Gross point high. Western Division playoffs. <laughs> That's amazing. You got to send me that link now. I'll have a look at it here later on tonight. That's a good one. No, but going back to what I was saying with the story, I mean, you got to realize that Detroit really didn't have the success when it came to their sports teams. The Tigers were, du- were garbage. The Detroit Lions, I mean, at that time, all they had known for was sucking and wasting yeah. the career of Barry Sanders, but they hadn't wasted the career of Megatron yet. So you had that for you. So really, all you had was the bad boy Pistons and the Red Wings, who were so underachieving in the 90s. <laughs> because you look at those teams before they won the Stanley Cups, you look at the talent those teams had, and you think, how is it a team like San Jose when they were a third-year team knocked them out? Right. How it, well, The Devils were a little bit different in 95 because all they had to do was just play the trap. Play the trap and you got swept. <laughs> Colorado in 96, I think, was the only team that you could legit look at that and be like, okay, yeah, we can kind of buy that, you know, 60 60- 62 wins and you got your ass handed to you by Colorado. Like, what are you going to do? Exactly. Adidas and Disney have teamed up to release jerseys featured in Disney's 1992 movie, The Mighty Ducks, as part of the film's 30th anniversary. I gotta say, actually, okay, so talk about Anaheim for a second here, Tim. So I was at Katrina's last night. Yeah. And yeah, we're just hanging out. And so we were about to go to bed. So I just put on the Florida Anaheim game, a real barn burner, by the way, for Sunday night. Oh, yeah. And I saw the Ducks reverse retro jerseys. I don't mind them. I made my comments here. I don't mind them. I don't care for the orange pants myself. I told you they should have just been the the Dixie Cup. I know, I know. But you remember how I was saying in that episode that if you really want to think outside the box, what if they brought back those mighty duck jerseys? 
from the actual movie. Yes. And here they are. God, you know, I can't remember the last time I've actually watched those movies, The Mighty Ducks. I I saw them, I don't know how many years ago, and I sat down and watched him, and my first thought is, oh my god, I can't believe I actually watched this. <laughs> the first one is the first one's not bad. It's not great. You know, if I'm being if I'm being honest with you, it's not great. The sequels are garbage. I don't even remember watching the sequels. Did they even have Emilio Estevez? Yeah. Yeah, the second oh, one wow. definitely had him. The third one kind of, sort of had him. Kind of. Although the Eden Hall jerseys in the third movie were kind of Blackhawks-ish. So that was kind right. of cool. That's neat. Yeah. So we're going to close off top of the hour, Tim, by talking about a fine. And guess what, Tim? We get to talk about the maximum allowable under the CBA Ooh. this evening. And the sense. Yes. Dallas Stars forward Ty Delaranda was fined $2,339 and 33 cents. The maximum allowable under the CBA for goalie interference on Rangers goalie Igor Shesterkin. So here's my big question. You know, we always yeah. talk about the maximum allowable under the CBA. It always fluctuates, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's probably based on what the actual thing was. But yeah. He definitely deserved getting fined. Because, like, he sl- Chesterson was skating backwards into his own crease. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sorry, Del Andrea comes behind and Sloot trips him with his leg. No, you don't do that. There was no need for that play. That should be suspendable. I mean, if you want to talk about plays that were suspendable oh you just wait till next week for top of the hour oh Tim. when we get to talk about uh matthew kachuk just smashing chesterkin in the face with a stick no it was uh quick oh quick yeah, yeah he jammed the stick in between the the birdcage yeah no but what about josh That's anderson blocked. when he boarded petrangelo into the boards yeah we're gonna have a lot of suspensions to talk next week and it's only monday i know man next week let me tell you, next week's episode is going to be lit when it comes to suspensions. But we do yeah. also have a death to talk about too, and you know how I feel about death. I don't. But like yeah, talk about it. I think I think Del Andrea should have been suspended for that. Yeah, I could believe that. Did Shesterkin get hurt on the play though? I don't think he got hurt, but it's that was kind of bullshit. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think if he got hurt, I think that's an automatic suspension right there. But... It shouldn't be though. Like, what should be the suspension is the play itself, because that is a play where a goalie could easily get injured. And we should be, you have to be hitting people for the acts and not the result. And I've harped on this point forever, because if you only hit on the result, you're incentivizing players to be play really hard on that edge. Because if they don't hurt the guy, they get away with it. But if you hit the action itself and you consistently hit the action with a the punishment, they're going to stop doing it. So, yeah, the outcome should be irrelevant to the suspension. Well, guys, that wraps up top of the air for this week, which you mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Lightning, 
Golden Knights versus the Sens, and the Flyers versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Lightning. This is a 4-3 Lightning victory. Sens goals are scored by Dele Gambrell, Matthew Joseph, and Claude Giroux. Lightning goals are scored by Mikhail Sergachev, Alex Kilron, Braden Point, and Nikita Kucherov. Shots for 34-15 for the Lightning. Dylan Gambrell, one goal on two shots. Actually, you know, I just realized I don't even have a rundown in this game. It was a weird game where I don't really want to say either team played particularly well with Ottawa playing the worst of the two teams, to be perfectly frank. Ottawa got very few chances, but the chances that they got were good. While both teams just overall looked really sluggish. Yeah, unfortunately, that was a thing I really noticed with the Sens this week is just they were kind of sluggish, but we'll get to those when we get to those games. Now, the Dylan Gambrell, one goal and two shots. And then immediately gets a bench penalty. Yeah, man, I bet Vasilevsky wishes he had that one back. I don't know. The Gambrell goal wasn't terrible, honestly. It came from right in front of the net and just kind of went on through. It wasn't a terrible goal for Vasilevsky to let through. But the Matthew Joseph goal, and I, I'm trying something here for this week's episode because you know usually I would say one goal and one shot. I'm just gonna say scores on lone shot. Well, we could try that, but let's talk about the context of the Matthew Joseph goal. So, the Ottawa Senators are still serving their five minute penalty because Dylan Gambrell decided to have himself a game and just absolutely murdered Killorn on a hit. Was it Killorn or Sor- I think, or was it Sorelli? I can't remember. But yeah, Killorn, sorry, Gambrell, like, just floors the guy, and it's a nasty hit. And he deserved the match penalty and probably deserved a suspension. Let's be real. And then, if I remember, the Sens hook a guy. So they, they take a second penalty, and they're on a five-on-three for two minutes, which Tampa Bay can do nothing with. Matthew Joseph then gets the puck, skates in on a breakaway first time he's denied it happens a second time and he scores and it's the first time the Sens have scored five on three since before the pandemic and it might have been the first time an NHL team had scored five on three since 2020 just to give you an idea of how rare a three on five goal in the NHL is Yeah, that's insane, man. If we want to look for a bright spot in this game, the Stutzla-Batherson-Kachuk line, they torched their competition as far as the fancy stats go, but Vasilevsky just shut them down. Yeah, Vasilevsky did his job. Yeah. Batherson probably should have had a goal. Yeah, but Claude Giroux, though, scores on his lone shot... I love the fact that, and you talk about the Brady line, he did a great job stealing from Vasilevsky behind the net. Oh, yeah. No, and that's the thing. is like, sure, like, the Brady line was definitely outshot, but the shots they did get were, they basically were just 100% within 
a very small area. And that area was between the hash marks, which somehow Tampa Bay just left wide open. Yeah. Because how many guys did they have jump in front? Like two? Like two or three, yeah. Like it was bizarre. I've never really seen a game go that way where one team's just getting like drubbed and drubbed and drubbed on the score clock. But like the actual shot, the team with fewer shots actually made up for it in shot quality. I don't think I've ever actually seen that happen. Very bizarre game. Like Tampa 100% deserved to win that game because like outside of the top line and the top defensive pairing, like Shabbat and Branstrom actually looked pretty darn good this game. And Sanderson looked pretty good too. Actually, the Debrinkat Giroux Pinto line looked pretty darn good. And ah, Debrinkat got robbed again. I know that poor guy. He, you're absolutely right. I know you made a comment. I think he made a comment on Twitter. He just, he can't, he's snake bitten. Yeah. Because like once they start going in, the guy's going to go on like a 30 goal tear. Because like the dude's getting into the soft spots, he's making great plays, he's shooting on things that should be going in. He just can't finish. The unfortunate thing, though, is that Nikita Zaitsev was on the ice. And, uh, yep. The dude just got caved in. I was going to say, do you want to save this for the Flyers game? Yeah, because it was worse. But, man, he was not on the ice for a goal. He was on the ice for two goals again. Again, neat stuff. We were, what, three and one when he was not on the ice? Honestly. Like, stop the Zaitsev experiment. It's not working. And the dude we'll sucks shit. We'll get that when we get to the Flyers game. Now, Anton Forsberg's the last comment I want to make here. He had 30 saves, a .882 save percentage. I mean, he looked all right. He was very tired, but that's all I can say, really. Yeah. Like, granted, Tampa... As much as I was talking about how good of a shots that Ottawa was getting, Tampa, Tampa themselves were getting some very nice choices, chances, and somehow Stamkos didn't score that game. I don't know how. I love the fact that even Matthew Joseph beat him on that foot race when he scored. Yeah. Like, Stamkos, and, it was and, weird. Stamkos played really well, and he and didn't Joseph score. was behind him, too. Yeah. So it's like, I actually don't, I don't think, like, Ottawa didn't play great. Both teams just looked tired. So let's move on to the second game of the evening. Golden Knights versus Senators. This is a 5-4 to four Vegas victory. Golden Knights goals were scored by Mark Stone, Riley Smith, Zach Whitecloud, Chandler Stevenson, and William Carrier. Sense goals were scored by Claude Giroux with two, and Tam! Shots for 46-32 for Ottawa. Now, I watched bits and pieces of this, Tim. I turned it off when it was 5-1. You shouldn't have. I turned it on for the third period. So here's the thing. For the first two periods, Ottawa hung tight with Vegas, no matter what the score looked like. This is a game where, I think this is the first game of the season where Anton Forsberg let the team down. Ottawa should have won this game. Ottawa massively outplayed the Golden Knights. Well, they hung tight with them for the first few periods and then just smoked them in the third. Yeah. And that was a thing because, I mean, I got some players I want to talk about, but 
Yeah, you're right. Anton Forsberg, I mean, he got pulled after five goals on 19 shots. They put Talbot in. Is this a game, do you think, that Cam Talbot should have got the start right off the bat? If Cam Talbot was 100% ready, I think you give him the start. Forsberg's played every game but one this month. That's not, I don't know how the man could have done it, right? Running on fumes, obviously. That's why yeah. he's letting five on 19 shots. Yeah, exactly. Because Ottawa just, Ottawa took it to Vegas. And they looked very good doing it. But despite the opening hiccup, where Shabbat basically threw the puck right to Mark Stone. Other than that, Ottawa looked great. Yeah, and that a lot was of the- a bad one. And I think everybody was our is our it's weird. People are criticizing Shabbat this season. And for me, it's like, is it because Shabbat's playing terrible, like bad, or is it because he realizes he doesn't have to do it all by himself? I don't know. I don't get the Shabbat credit. I think it's just because not enough points and Shabbat plays the most and Ottawa's not winning every game, which fans seem to want. Yes, so do we. So it's like, I think he's getting an unfair brunt of the criticism because frankly, Thomas Shabbat hasn't been bad. When Shabbat's on the ice, and this is true of every single game this week, and I will stress this, and I if someone wants to at me on Twitter, come at me. Sorry, Tim. Because at M901 Honey Badger. Because pretty much every fucking model, and if you've been watching this these games, anytime Shabbat and Branstrom hit the ice, or when Sanderson and Branstrom. Much to chagrin, not Branstrom. Uh why am I thinking blanking on uh the guy we we got from Vancouver. Oh, uh, Hamnick. Hamnick, yeah. The ha- those two pairings have been great. The puck goes the right way. There's been a- and Ottawa's controlled the offensive zone and a- and by both Money Puck and by Hockey Viz, Blake McCurdy. Both their models show that Ottawa is one of the top expected goals teams in the league. It's just Ottawa's been insanely unlucky. Whenever a goal goes in, it seems to be a backbreaker. And there's just literally nothing you can do about that. And we're going to talk about in this game where Ottawa just absolutely dummied Vegas for an entire period and almost came back from a four-goal deficit. And we're going to talk about it next game. They almost went full Leafs. They almost went full Leafs. And we're going to talk about next game where Ottawa absolutely dummied Philly for everything except for a a stretch of the second period and just couldn't get it done. Like the Ottawa Senators have been a fantastic team. Sorry. The Ottawa Senators offense has been absolutely fantastic. You have two very strong lines with Batherson, Stutzla, Kachuk, Debrinkit, even injured Norris. Shane Pinto has stepped up so well. And Claude Giroux. That is an offense that is aggressively rolling. The only real anchors on this team right now are Nikita Zaitsev. And unfortunately, Nick Holden is showing signs of being 35. Get some fresh defense legs in. Tighten some things up in the D zone. 
is the only, th- but keep doing for the most part. I actually think it would be a mistake to fire DJ Smith. The Ottawa Senators offense is playing great. It's just been woefully unlucky. Ottawa's goaltending has been, hasn't actually even been that particularly great. They're getting about league average goaltending right now. The Ottawa Senators haven't been on a, haven't been on a shooting percentage bender. If anything, they're actually a little bit below. This is what we expected from the Ottawa Senators. It's going to be hair on fire hockey every night. You're going to get game. You're going to get wild swings of wins, wild swings of loses. And just watching people shit and piss themselves on Twitter. It happens. This is what you expected going into the season. Don't start complaining when you get what you expected. Jesus Christ. I think after that, right? I don't even want to know if I want to bring up any notes that come in this game. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. The Claude Giroux first goal. Oh, that was beauty. Fuck, I was in the gym when they scored, and I have it on because I've been timing it now. So, like, the last 20 minutes when I'm on, like, the cardio side of working out, I'm always on the treadmill, so I am I have it on my phone. Claude Giroux scores from center, and I'm just like, wait, wait what? <laughs> It's very funny, but uh, it was a nice shot. I know the Tim Stutzla, that second goal. Oh, oh, danced his way in. And here's the thing Stutzla has been incredible this season. Like, we thought he took steps last season. Look at him this season. He just wills himself into the offensive zone. Like, the Stutzla line went head to head with the like the William Carlson line, and they just dominated them. And when they got the off shift against the Eichel line, Stutzla ate Eichel alive. Eichel did not get a shot when Stutzla was on the ice. Think about that. So, do you want to head off into the third and final game of the evening, Tim? Uh. Yeah, sure. Also, yeah, the Shabbat Branstrom Shabbat Branstrom pairing steamrolled Eichel and outplayed all of the Vegas pairings. So yeah, no, this if it wasn't for kind of lousy goaltending, Ottawa would have won this. Nobody, very few teams hang four and almost five and put forty shots up on the Golden Knights. So we're going to turn attention to the third and final game of the evening. Flyers versus Senators. This is a two to one Flyers victory. Flyers goals were scored by Kevin Hayes and Zach McEwen. And the lone Sens goal was scored by Claude Giroux, who got his 300th in his career. Shots were 34-28 for the Senators. One word to describe this game. Frustrating. This was legit me. The only game... I can't recall the last time I was this frustrated watching this game because I'm watching this game thinking, how are we fucking losing to them? And I understand, like, I know it's that you Carter, went on that whole rant. You went Carter on that whole rant. Hart saved three goals above expectation. He did. He stole the game. That's it. That's all. Philadelphia's goals were dumb. Like, they weren't good. 
like McEwen's goal was a weird ass bounce. And Hayes, the only reason he got the puck is Zaitsev took a retarded penalty. Bad penalty? Yeah, bad penalty. Zaitsev took a bad penalty. Absolutely brain dead stuff. You know, it's funny for me watching this, like, I mean, I was. This is the first time Katrina's ever seen me get this frustrated watching the Sens play because those other games, I can understand us losing to Tampa in Vegas. But when you lose to Philadelphia, who's greatly overachieving right now, and you're absolutely right, Carter Hart played great. He, you're absolutely right. But I got to admit, there was everybody on Twitter was talking about the fire D, firing DJ. This is one of those games. I think I'm glad I had the last couple of days to cool down because you know what? I was on that bandwagon because you look at some of the decisions he's making, whether it's he continues to play Zaitsev. They called up Hetherington, didn't play him. They brought up JBD twice. They didn't play him. Right. But when you here's a here. Okay. Here's a good one for Vegas. You're down by a goal. Why do you not put Debrinkat in? Why do you put Brizard? When you look at some of the decisions DJ Smith yeah. is making, you're almost convinced that he's going to be gone. And I know that, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Pierre Dorian came out today and basically kind of sort of said, DJ Smith's got the next 10 games to figure it out. If he doesn't, he's gone. Well, I didn't get that from the comments, but at the same time, though, that's what like, I... in this game, like, let's look at the player deployment. Like, yeah, Zaitsev shouldn't be on the bench, but Zaitsev got 14 minutes. Shabbat played 25, Branstrom and Sanderson at 22, Hamannick 16, Holden 15. When we look at the forward, Stutzla at 24, Kachuk at 22, Giroud 21, Debrink at 20, Batherson and Pinto at 19. So, like, here's he knew his guns were, it was only a matter of time before his big guns broke through, but and he just kept pressing and pressing on Carter Hart. 34 shots again. Nothing to sniff at. It's just. You had a goalie. Who's just in it. That's it. And here's the thing. If you look at. Money Puck's model. Micah McCurdy's model. He stole at least. Three goals. Almost four. This is a game that Ottawa. In, I want to say, eight times out of ten, Ottawa takes this game. We're just living in the world where they they didn't. So, we've been talking about this game, Tim. I only got two guys I really want to talk about. Now, Claude Giroux, of course, this was his first game back against the... First game against his former team. Scored his 300th goal on three shots. Looked pretty good. Cam Talbot. First start as an Ottawa Senator. 26 saves. A .928 save percentage. Even in his start against Vegas, looked good. Yep. And he looked really good in this one, too. Yeah, the other one is, man, I feel I feel for Kachuk and Batherson. They got robbed so many times. Batherson should have had a goal. Kachuk should have had one, especially that one that just, if it was even half an inch over instead of just going right through the paint, it would have been in the net. Mm-hmm. Batherson has a whole whole empty net. Rolling puck goes high instead of straight. Just weird stuff. And like a lot of the times we're like, 
Philly would get the puck and run it down the other end. It was because like the puck bounced odd and it was hard to collect. Like it's just shit that happens. And just a whole bunch of random crap happened this game. And Philly was the beneficiary. Yeah. And of course, this coming Saturday, we get the rematch against them at home. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Ottawa won't get Carter Hart at this time. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we get some wins coming up here, man, because we're going up against Vancouver, who are not doing very good, Jersey, Philly. We got some games we could definitely win. Jersey is a hard out. The New Jersey Devils are probably the best team and one of the best teams in the league. Have you watched them play, Tay? No. They are taking wins despite the fact they're getting 0.85 per save person like they're getting 85 percent save percentages they are absolutely dominating at both ends of the ice there it doesn't matter that Mackenzie blackwood is just a terrible goaltender and that vedic venacek isn't much better because hughes he sure and, and the whole team miles wood the whole team is doing it by committee that is a scary team like we're talking about a team that is, I think, if not top of the East, they're close to being top of the East. Yeah, they're four points back at Boston with a game in hand. They've won six in a row. Yeah, because they beat, let's see, beat Calgary Saturday, beat Jersey, or sorry, beat Edmonton, beat Vancouver. I mean, fuck, they just dummied Columbus. One nothing against Colorado. Yeah. Like they have... It's not like they're playing bad teams either, right? No. I mean, there's a few bad teams in there, but no. a few bad teams but... in there, but like Calgary, Edmonton, Colorado. Like Jersey's scary. And Jersey was a team coming into this year. I didn't know how to rank them. They were just that team that I didn't really know what you don't with Jersey. You don't know which team you're going to get. Yeah. And I didn't know which team we're going to get with them this year. Yeah, but it's like, like it looks like uh, Dougie Hamilton is back. Yeah, like one of the teams they lost to was Philadelphia. Because they got memed by Carter Hart. But yeah, no. Like, that's the thing is, that's a tough game. Vancouver's a much easier out. And here's the thing. I don't even worry about the Sens playing hungry. I worry about the Suns getting good puck luck. So, yeah, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you want to head up for the close for another episode. Yeah, let's do it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on Twitter at Third Line Plugs or Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8. W-A-T-E, Gister. If you want to choose an email to talk about the games, top of the hour, or you want to give Tim some feedback on his rant on this week for the Third Line Plug Sunscast, <laughs> choose an email, thirdlineplugsunscast at gmail.com. Three games on the schedule this week, Tim. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, we are at home to play the Vancouver Canucks. Thursday, we are in New Jersey to play the New Jersey Devils. And Saturday... The rematch between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa. 
it's going to be wild stuff. And that New Jersey game, it should be good. Should be. Should be. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jack. Go Sense, guys. Woo! So you know what's funny, Sam, is that we stopped recording a few minutes ago. You completely made me remember that Corey Conagher is an Ottawa senator once again. I don't even remember what happened. Like, when's the last time he played in the NHL? Apparently he hasn't been in the NHL since... Tw- like, okay. The Corey Conagher adventure is just something else. But he's back. We've won the Ben Bishop trade, boys. There we go. <laughs> We did it. Isn't it also weird to think that he's 32? Is he really? Oh my god, I just looked it up. Yep, he's 32. <laughs> oh my good lord. Just we and then just crap about waivers. Why not? Apparently he played four games for the lightning in 2020, so well. Big money, big money.